listen, you're missing out. We've got some good stuff going on before service gets started on Thursday. And it's just such a wonderful blessing. We just watched um, the first uh, speaker from Because of the Times uh, that Thursday night before the last night of the conference, that Thursday night, the first speaker was Mike Williams. And he's tremendous. And we know he's probably, there's nobody quite like him in all of our movement. There's, I'm sure if we look all over, I just found out a little scoop on him the other day and I said, okay, that makes sense. So he was going to school. I mean, he completely got his degree, but what he was up to, God wasn't up to. He was going to school to be a um, speech writer for the president of the United States. That was his intent, and he was well on his way. He was going to be a speech writer for the president of the United States. That's where he was headed. So you can probably see that in how he convey and how he speaks. And just this whole mannerism is just a little bit different from everybody else. So God's got a way of how he does things. He didn't get in his way the whole time. His mind was on, hey, I'm going to be a speech writer for the president. God, just let him roll. Let him roll. Let him develop all of those abilities so he would be able. You know who else God did that to? We first catch that. Moses. The Lord did that to Moses. Right. Moses was with the royal family and learning all of these mannerism and all of how things work in a royal family. And he thinks, you know, man, I'm going to live the good life. And all of a sudden, here he is now serving the Lord. So God's got a way. You got to watch the Lord, man. He's something else. He lets you get equipped the way you need to be equipped for what he wants you to do. And a lot of times you don't know what that's what's going on. That's why it's just best not to question him, but be obedient to him. Because you never know what he's doing. And that is so tremendous. So Mike Williams and so many of us, God has kind of played a joke on. I got to say, that's just really what it came down to. You know, I, I say for um, for myself that when I was, you know, all my uh, career is being a waiter in, in, in Princeton, New Jersey. I learned a whole lot at that uh, time of my life. But God was just preparing me to be a servant in the house of God. And so God just takes whatever we're doing, all the stuff that we think, yeah, you know, we think we're going somewhere with these uh, things that we're doing. And we're really only being equipped to serve the Lord. And if you're serving God, you have probably had that testimony already if you're serving the Lord because that skill, that ability, those talents that you have, you were just thinking that, you know, wow, you know, I'm, I'm going to be successful in this life. You know, I'll make some good money. I'll live good. And that's not to say that's not still going on, but you're finding yourself doing more for the kingdom of God and more for the Lord than for that career that you had all set up to just pursue. So God's got a way of... Um, doing some things in our lives. So we thank God for it. We, we know that we're not alone. You know, sometimes when you are uh, going through different things and you're living your life for Christ, um, maybe immediately in your immediate circle, you might not see uh, folks dealing with the same things you're dealing with or struggling the same way you're struggling or challenged the same way you're challenged, but rest assured, you're not by yourself because there are others that have the similar situation because God has a way of how he does things. His principles, they don't change the way he does things. 
you know, is is always the principal thing and the principal way of how he does things are always present. He might use different method. I was talking to our leader leadership last night and I told him when I say that Christ centered church is striving to be a 21st century apostolic church that is Christ centered in lifestyle in principle and and in and in power when I say that some people might get that twisted and think we say 21st century meaning we're going to be different no 21st century just mean we're going to use the 21st century methods that was not present in other centuries that's all the difference when we say 21st century. So what we're saying is we are open and, and ready to use the methods that we now have. And we're a lie if we're not saying that because all there are so many congregations. I remember uh, when we started broaching the pandemic and some people realized people are not coming in the building. And, um, you know, if they were having service, they were having it just with a couple people because nobody was. Then everyone that did not do live stream started saying, I guess. We have to go live streaming. And some people thought live streaming was worldly. They thought it was of the devil. They thought it was no good. And so they never did it before the pandemic. All of a sudden, pandemic came and now they're live streaming. I guess it's not of the devil anymore. And we who were doing it, I know our church were doing it. You know, they probably kind of, you know, talked under their breath about, hmm, what are they up to? They're getting worldly. And they and, and now here they are with us. But. It just comes back to when you know God, when you understand who he is, you know, it's never about the methods. He says, use whatever method you can use. The word doesn't change. His principles doesn't change. He is God and he doesn't change. But as our world evolve and all the different things that are happening, we can take some of that method and further the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's nothing wrong with furthering the gospel using the methods that this world has come up with. And we need to be smart about that and realize using those methods does not mean we're sinning. It means that we are using what's available to us to do the work of the ministry. Well, let's stand. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. It's so good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Amen. We're starting our series tonight on prayer. And we're going to get into prayer a whole lot. Remember leadership I told you last night. I will share with the rest of the church. Next week we're going to be fasting Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, no meal, okay? Um, if you can, water only. If you can't, then do a smoothie, but try not to eat. And we are fasting and praying specifically for spiritual breakthrough and spiritual attentiveness to what God is doing because remember I know traditional people that have been in church a long time they believe that if you want to see something done you got to fast and pray and what that is implying is that when you fast you are you know putting some influence on God for him to do something that's what we have brought fasting to that we have we have told ourselves and we are believing that when we fast, what we're doing is it, it, it puts greater influence on God to do what we want him to do. First of all, God is not going to do anything he does not want to do. He is God and he changes not. And only what he is going to do, he's going to do. And you nor me nor anyone else can make him do what he does not want to do. So you can't fast to make him do something. 
Okay? And so to say I'm going to fast, that's going to really make him say okay, that doesn't work. We can't do something to change God's mind uh, by, by, you know, influencing him by something we do. God is God. He's all-knowing. So when we fast and we pray, what we are doing is saying we want to become so in tune with what God is doing. We want to now become aware because sometimes as we're living for God, we don't realize that we are so consumed by the things that surround us, our lifestyle that we live, that we're not sensitive. We're not attentive to the things of God. And so it's not that we're not godly. It's not that we're not Christians. It's not that we're not striving to go to heaven. It's just we get consumed, right? Um, I guess one of the example in the physical you can, you can, I can use to kind of bring it to your attention is when Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house, Lazarus' house, and when he was there, Mary decided to sit at his feet and Martha was just working. Well, if he was speaking, Martha couldn't quite hear what he was saying because she's just busy doing what she were doing in the house. And Mary would have heard every single thing and understood it. So when you're fasting, what you're saying is, I'm positioning myself to hear from the Lord and to have a spiritual breakthrough in just being in the presence of the Lord. That's what we're doing when we fast and pray, not trying to strong arm God or force him or just trying to bribe him to say, oh, I'll do what you all want. If it's God's will, it will be done. If it's not God's will, we can fast and pray till he comes. He's not changing. He's not doing it. So when we fast and pray next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're fasting and praying for individually, we have a spiritual breakthrough, and for corporately, we will have a spiritual awareness that we can flow in the spirit of the Lord as we need to. And that's why we're fasting and praying, because when you do, that's when God will now begin to get you to understand what he was showing you, what he's speaking to you. So when we are fasting and praying, we will come to a better understanding of what God is saying to us. It is important that we understand that. We're not fasting and praying to say, oh, God, God, can you do this for us? We're not begging him to do something. What we're saying is, God, I want to be up on what you're doing. I want to be in the flow of what you're doing. I want to ex- experience a spiritual height or level or dimension that I haven't experienced in a long time or never have experienced. That's what we're doing when we say we're fasting and praying. So that's next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're having a missionary here start spreading the word next Thursday. The missionary, we will not stream our service next Thursday night. Our Bible study will not be streamed because our missionary, we don't want to show him and what he's saying all over the world because where he is a missionary, if they know his identity, he can be in a lot of trouble. So we have to conceal the missionary's identity next Thursday. So if you want to hear the missionary, there's only one way to hear the missionary. You got to be present. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. I won't say a whole lot more about it. I'll leave it right there. So let's pray tonight and ask God to help us in our series, because what we're going to talk about will help us during our morning prayer. And can I also say this? Our morning prayer should just be our morning prayer. But that doesn't mean that's the only time we should pray in the day, because really 
understand there's a time for corporate prayer, but there's a time for personal prayer. And when we're praying in the morning corporately, that's for all of us. But at times we we need to make sure we're praying privately between us and the Lord. So if you think about it from that standpoint, we know that should not be the only time we're praying, right? Because we have to have alone time, personal private prayer time with the Lord. Because when you get when you're in your personal private time, you're praying for your daughter. Lord, my daughter needs your help. My daughter is going through a hard time. That's not something you want to pray with the corporate group. You're talking to God about your daughter. Uh, it could be your marriage. Lord, my marriage is not where we would like for it to be. That's not something you want to publicize. That's something between you and God. You might have messed up really bad and you want to confess your sin exactly how you messed up to God. That's between you and God. So you can't just have corporate prayer time, you have to have private prayer time with the Lord. So we're doing good with the corporate prayer. We can add some more people praying. That would be fantastic. But we got to realize that we some there are plenty of mornings, probably every morning when we're done at six o'clock, I wherever I'm praying, which I'm usually in my office, I continue to pray because I've got other things to talk to the Lord about. So I just keep it moving and talk to him about those things. I believe that I want to talk to him about that are private, not for everybody. So what we're going to learn tonight and the upcoming Thursdays, it's a prayer series that I will teach on. I want you to take notes, make mental notes, and apply what we're talking about because it will help you pray more effectively. Jesus, we love you and we're grateful tonight to be gathered together one more time. Lord, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves before you. We put ourselves into your capable hands, asking for your will to be done tonight and for you to manifest your kingdom in this place. Lord God, we repent of our sins. We confess to you, Lord, that we have sinned and have come short of your glory. Lord, we have sinned by omitting to do the things that you have commanded us to do. Father, we pray that you will cleanse us from all iniquities, purge us from all unrighteousness, that you will cover us one more time under the blood of Jesus Christ, and that tonight, Lord God, the power of your spirit will move in, in the midst of us where we will become attentive to the attentive to the spirit of God and flow in the spirit Lord God help us to experience a spiritual dimension in you Lord God that we have not experienced in a quite a while or have never experienced I pray tonight Lord God for those of us that are filled with your spirit you will stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost tonight that is within us and Lord we pray that you will speak and that we may hear the word of God with clarity, with understanding, uh, where we can apply it into our life, Lord God. Uh, help us to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us tonight, Lord God. Uh, we pray and ask in the name of Jesus uh, for every person that is in this house uh, and every person that have gathered together online, Lord Jesus. Uh, will you hear us tonight saying, Lord, uh, will you speak and give us direction? Uh, we want to hear what the Lord has to say to us. We want to understand 
understanding from you, Lord. For God, as you speak, as you give instructions, we will do what you command us to do. We will go as you command us to go. God, I pray tonight that you will deliver us and set us free, Lord God, from a spirit of disobedience, from a spirit of rebellion, from a spirit of rejection. Set us free, Almighty God, from self-centeredness, Lord, that, God, we can move forward in you through obedience, through, oh God, just submission, moving forward, Almighty God, in obedience. Have your way tonight, Lord. Pour out of your spirit, if you will, upon us, Lord, whether we're here in the house of the Lord or we're home. Oh God, will you pour out of your spirit upon us, Lord, and move us into a new dimension of the spirit of the Lord. We pray that you will touch us, Lord. We pray and ask your will to be done. And Lord, you will confirm your word tonight with signs following. We need you, Jesus. We cannot make it without you, Lord. And oh, God, we need you to uphold us and sustain us and continue to move us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, for there is none like you. And we will praise you continuously. We will worship you from the depths of our soul with all of our heart, with all of our mind, our soul, and all our strength, Lord. Oh, God, we love you. Bless us tonight, if you will, Lord, and let your will be done in this house. We ask you all of these things. We pray all of these things in the mighty name, the miraculous name, and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Can everybody clap their hands and thank the Lord tonight? The Lord is good. His mercy everlasting, and his truth endure it to all generation. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight is my granddaughter's birthday. Lila's 10 tonight, and she have a big fat piece of cake that she's eating that I want some of. We just <laughs> we just had a little uh, FaceTiming. It probably wasn't FaceTime, some whatever app that we use, and we were all singing happy birthday to her. But that was good. But she had some cake that I wanted some, and so I hope I can get some cake from her. But today is Lila's birthday, and today is Sister Patrice's birthday. Her and Lila have the same birthday. I guess I can never forget those birthdays. I'll always remember those birthdays. Amen. Patrice, she off the calendar, though. Amen. You get to 31, that's it. You're done. You're old. I don't know. That's how we used to make it in Jamaica. That's how we know if you're getting old or not. Once you pass 31, that's it. You're done. That's it. Don't even look this way. That's not true. We just say that. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit, um, start our series out uh, talking about the voice of God, the voice of God. Prayer is a believer's benchmark. Some lecture prayer or lecture about prayer. Others theorize prayer, 
but we pray. We won't do a whole lot of talking about prayer, but what we will do is pray. Prayer is one of those few essential things we must have in life. What food, water, and air is to the physical man, prayer is to the spiritual man. Prayer is found early in the Bible and early in the ministry of Jesus Christ. One of the first attributes or ways of the Lord God we learn about was how he interacted with his people who he made in his image. Adam and Eve interacted with the Lord. They fellowshiped with the Lord. They walked with the Lord. And so that's a clear indication of what the Lord likes to do with the people he made in his image. In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8, the scripture says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, if you're reading this and you're slowing it down and you're just asking God like I did today to just help you to understand, because when you're reading this, sometimes if, if you're getting into the word of God, you got to start asking yourself the question as you're reading it. Let's go again. Verse eight. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. All right. That make a little sense. I, I can I can relate to that. I can relate to hearing the voice of God, right? But this one is interesting. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, you got to know God is omnipresent. So I don't know how you hide yourself from the Lord. So it's more to that. That's how you read your Bible. In case you're missing what I'm saying, that's how you read your Bible, D, is you're reading it and you're saying, if God is all-knowing and he's all-present, how will, how does the Bible tell us they were hiding from him? How could they hide from him when he is all-present and he's all-knowing? So there's more to that hiding themselves, which we can get back to in a little bit. Verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Now, this is interesting because if he was hidden, the Lord would not be able to talk to him because the Lord wouldn't know where he is. But the Lord was still talking to him because the Lord knew where he was. But then the Lord still asked him, where were you? Right? You can't hide from God. God is all knowing, all present. But God is asking him, where are you? And the Bible says he's hiding. Again, God is trying to teach us something here. 10. And he said, I heard thy voice, Adam responding, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Here are more thoughts. He said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I thought where you are is in the garden. He's making it like he can go outside the garden. 
So he says, and I heard thy voice in the garden. You didn't have to say in the garden because obviously you're in the garden. Okay. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself again. How are you hiding yourself from the Lord? And he said, the Lord said, who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? So clearly the Lord is questioning Adam because the Lord was trying to get to a point with Adam. Right. So the Lord was asking him question. The Lord was talking to him because the Lord is trying to get him to a place. He's trying to get him to respond so he can instruct him, so he can teach him. Our sin issue, our sin issue is a result of prayerlessness or too little prayer. Our sin issue is a result of prayerlessness or too little prayer. How can you say that, preacher? If Adam and Eve was praying instead of talking to the devil, they could have never disobeyed God. But apparently they were talking to the devil and not talking to God. Prayer is conversation with the Lord, right? And so for them to listen to the devil, for them to have conversation with the devil, they was not having conversation with God. So our sin issue is a result of prayerlessness or too little prayer. It's a wonderful thing to talk to man about God. However, it is more prudent to first talk to God than talk to man, which include even yourself. When we say man, it's talking about mankind. So don't exclude yourself when you talk to God. And maybe you even start to talk to him, God, what are we not doing that we need to do? Make sure you include yourself in we. This is why as Christians, it is so important that when we go to God, we can uh, confidently say we. We, we have sinned. We have sinned and, and come short. We have messed up. We, we, we got to go to God and be quick and ready to express how we have messed up. Because sometimes we can pray, well, what we call prayer, and it's really not prayer because if pride is in your prayer, then it's not prayer. If you're praying from a position of pride, then you're not praying. And what, could, what does that look like, a position of pride in your prayer, when you're saying how everybody else messed up and, God, you got to help them? You're not saying that you messed up. You're saying how everybody else messed up and you're living right. You're going to church and you're praying and you're reading your Bible, but everybody else is messed up. Lord, we need to help them. We got to be careful. That can be a position that we put ourselves in of pride. And so you're praying that way and God don't hear those prayers or God will not hear those prayers because he cannot listen to a prideful prayer. That's not a prayer. 
This is why even at times when we're saying, listen to me carefully, when we're saying we want God to do something, you need to make sure you understand you're asking. You're not telling God what to do. Because by telling him, position of pride again. When you're asking, you say, Lord, if you will, will you? Remember how Jesus prayed? If it be your will, let this cup pass. He asked. He didn't tell. And when we're praying sincerely, we don't tell. We ask. So make sure you don't command anything to God. You ask. Because when you start telling him, then you got to ask yourself, is he really going to listen to me? He's God and he knows everything. In the garden, God revealed himself as the walking voice. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This tells us that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. Guess what, though? He gives each and every one of us that same opportunity to walk with him. God is no respect of persons. And you should never think that, well, Adam and Eve was just special. They were the only ones that were ever created by God. He, he, he molded them with his own hand and created them. And so they're special. So they get to have that. God will not do that for Adam and Eve, have them walk with him and not have you or I have the opportunity to walk with him as well. So we can all walk with God. Enoch walked with God. Throughout the Bible, men and women of God walk with God. But the, 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 the clue here is you walking with God. Again, when you're praying, the Lord is your shepherd. He leads you and you follow him. You can't be praying like you know where you're going and he need to just follow you and support you as you go along. He doesn't follow you and support you. You follow him and he gives you the power to do what needs to be done. And what you can't do, he will do. But too often, we are doing whatever we want, and we still want to say that we're hearing from God. If God is going that way and you're going that way, you're not hearing from God. To hear from God, you got to be walking with God. Oh, help me, Jesus. Uh-huh. The Bible says, how can two walk together? Except they agree. So, so just understand this again. If you're doing what you want to do and you're not doing what God commands you to do, you're not walking with God. Because you're not in agreement. You understand that? If you are doing what you want and it's contrary to what God commanded you to do, you're not walking with God. You're walking by yourself. Or walking with the devil. But you're not walking with God because two people can only walk together if they agree. Light and dark cannot exist together. When light comes, dark got to go. 
So the bottom line is you got to know that if you are not doing what God says, you're not walking with God and you have to own that. You can't tell yourself that, oh, God is with me when you know you're not doing what God says. If you walk with Jesus, you will hear his voice. Jump down to Genesis chapter three, verse number 12. The word of God says, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, above the, upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now let me point something out to you here. God did not ask the devil any questions, but he did ask Adam and Eve questions. God did not ask the devil. He he cursed the devil. Vesta Mangan said, <laughs> when I heard this the other day, because of time, Vesta said, the Lord gave the devil a cussing. I almost fell out of my chair. Rest and said, the Lord gave the devil a cussing, but he did curse him. He cursed him, said, up on thy belly you should go and dust. But he never asked him any question. You know why he didn't ask him any question? He doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. The devil doesn't matter. And the Lord, we have to take note of that, that God did not ask Satan, what have you done? The Lord didn't say, where are you? Because he does not matter. But the Lord did ask Adam, where, what have you done? He did ask he, Eve, what have you done? You know why? Because he's got a plan for their life. And when God has a plan for your life, he will come and ask you, what have you done? He's not asking you because he doesn't know. He's asking you because he wants you to fess up to what have you done. And so God was, see, God wants to forgive us, but the devil is already condemned. He cannot be forgiven. He's done. Finito. And his destiny is all waiting for him. So the, God don't need to ask him any question because he's done and over with. But God asks us questions because God is saying, I've got a place for you that I had prepared for you. I have a plan for your life. Life, and so I need to get you back on track. And that's why I'm asking you, uh, what have you done? Because I want you to come to the place of knowing what you have done. Nothing wrong with admitting what you have done, church. We have established some things, some humanistic behavior that hinders us from really living our best life in Christ. We, we've developed some mad ways of being and, and it's killing us because we make everybody feels less than when they mess up. And God is so different from that. 
The God that I serve, he is so different from that. I just talked about this in my discipleship on Tuesday night, that the woman at the well that was living with a man that was that was living in sin and fornication and has had five husbands and, and have been divorced five times. Jesus met her at the well and treated her like she was like anybody else. But check this out. The rest of the town treated her terrible because she had to go to the well when nobody else was around. It's almost like she had to hide to go to the well because they talked about her so bad. They teased her so bad and made her felt less than she had to go to the well when nobody else was around. But Jesus still showed up right at the well for her. We got to stop doing that. We got to stop making people feel like they're the worst of the worst when they mess up because then instead of them going to God and confessing, instead of them being feeling free to say, I messed up and please forgive me, they don't feel free doing that. People backslide and they stay out of church longer than they need to because they get looks from church people that make them feel like they are the worst. And so they stay away a little longer. Every time they feel like they need to come, they say, ah, because so-and-so going to be there and so-and-so going to be there. And you know how they go. They think they're just more holy than thou. I'm not saying they should let people control their life. I'm just saying that people could do a whole lot better if we would be different in how we deal with each other when people mess up. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, can we be a little bit more like Jesus? We just need to be a little bit more like Jesus. And so God asked them questions. Didn't ask the devil questions. Because the devil, he have no hope. He's not going any place but you know where. God didn't speak to Adam and Eve the way a cruel master would speak to disobedient slaves or an angry judge to a convicted criminal. It was more like a broken-hearted father speaking in love to his wayward children. That's how God deal with us. When we mess up, when we sin against God, God deal with us as a broken hearted father saying, my children who I love so much have strayed and gone astray. And, and it's so bad because I don't know, some of us as parents probably witnessed this. You know how you raise your children. You know the plans you have for your children. You know what you wanted to see happen for their life and you didn't see it. And now you see, you said, how can they go catch up with those people out in the street how can they live that life out there i didn't raise them like that i didn't teach them like that i didn't be i didn't live my life like that how can they go out there and live like that you're not saying that because you're being mean to your children you're saying that because you're heartbroken because you know how you raise them you know how you love them and now you're looking and saying my god that's how God sees us when we mess up. That's how God sees us when we go astray. He's looking like a broken-hearted father saying, look at my all the plans that I have for my children, all that I want to do for them. How I just want to make their life just the right way, and I want everything to work the way it needs to in their life. But they're gone astray. That's how God sees us as a broken-hearted father when we are doing our own thing. So God did not ask the serpent any question because the serpent is not a child of God. The serpent is not 
created in the image of God where God have concerns for him because God loved him. That's not it. Mm-mm. God called to Adam to give him an opportunity to answer and come out into the open. Listen, coming out into the open and admitting your faults and your sins to God is the best thing you can do when you mess up. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that says judgment needs to first begin at the house. And simply put, just judge yourself quickly so when anybody else judge you, it doesn't matter. So if you judge yourself up front, when someone else judge you, you're laughing because you're like, please, I'm past that. You might still be back there worrying about what I used to do, but I'm past that because I judged myself about that. I went to God already about that, and God has straightened me out about that, and God has forgiven me about that. So I'm moving forward, and while you're still back there, just deal with yourself up front first. Judgment needs to start at the house. So when you mess up, don't be afraid to go to God with it. Don't be afraid to confess it to God. Let God and you work it out. And so everybody else, that's why I said all the time, I said, we cannot be praying when we keep holding on to what people have done to us. We cannot be praying because we don't realize that if, we, if we're not looking at this thing the right way, we're supposed to be saying, listen, they might have messed up, but you know what? They, got, they could have went to God about that already and, and repented. And them and God got it right. They got it right with God. And now they're walking in the right way. And you're still holding on to something they did to you when they already went to God. So that's why it's kind of idiotic to still be holding on to what someone did to you a long time ago. They made it right with God and you're still holding on to that. And if you're still holding on, chances are you never really forgave them. And if you never forgave them, you ain't going to heaven, baby. That's a heaven and hell thing right there. That's a heaven and hell thing right there. So if they've done you wrong and you never really forgave them, you're not going to heaven until you forgive them. The God that we serve is so gracious to us. He's so good to us. And so when he called Adam to give him the opportunity to answer and to come out into the open with his sin. He wanted him to confess his sin. God was teaching. God was showing that when you mess up, you need to come to me and confess it. God called him. And that act of God calling him was God demonstrating grace. Because Remember, God could have just been like, I told you not to mess with the fruit. I told you that. And you let this woman that I created after you come give this to you? Man, you a phony baloney. You garbage. I'm just telling you, I thought so. You know, God could have went that route. You garbage, man. I thought you was a man. I already told you, don't mess with this. And you let this woman that wasn't even around when you and I had this discussion. She wasn't even around yet. And you let her give it to you. You ate it. Come on, man. Get out of my face. I'm, I just like to deal with stuff real. And so, you know, that's how a man would think. But that's not how God thinks. That's not how God did things. God was trying to get him 
to confess his wrong so God can extend his grace to him. So God extended the grace to him by saying, what have you done? Mm -hmm. God could have spoken a word of judgment toward him, but God said, what have you done? God is always looking to deliver us. God is always looking to redeem us. God is always looking to save us. We just need to be honest about our actions and repent and realize that we have sinned. And God will forgive us if we will just repent. Don't let anybody make you feel less than after you've gone to God. When you have messed up and God convict your heart and you feel guilty about it and you feel so guilty and you feel shameful, you go to God, just you and him. That's not the time for the 5 a.m. prayer. 5 a.m. prayer is for us to pray corporately. But you know you, you go to God, you and him, nobody else, and you say, God, I feel so terrible. I am so convicted. I know what I've done is wrong. I allowed my flesh to get the best of me. Better yet, I wasn't praying the way I should have been because if I was talking to you and not talking to myself and not talking to my, my, my adversary, I would have done the right thing. And so, God, I feel terrible. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me once again? I know you're gracious. I know you love me. But I need this guilt to leave me. I need this shame to leave me. I need to feel whole again. I need to to feel righteous again. I need to feel holy again. I need to know that I'm accepted by you again. I need to walk in your presence again. I need to hear your voice again. I need to feel your touch again. Lord, forgive me and cleanse me and deliver me and restore me and save me. We go to that's how we gotta go to God. And when you go to God like that and you know you have cried and cried out to God and asked him to forgive you, you hold your head up high because now you know you are right with God. You hold your head up high and say, thank you, Jesus. And guess what? When you walk past people that you know sometimes don't, they, they still holding you up for the things that you have done, you just smile and you just make sure you love them. You just smile and you make sure you show the goodness of God toward them because what matters is that you went to God and you got it right and you got delivered and you were forgiven. That's what matters. That's what matters. The devil is going to come around and tell you, yeah, you know, um, you did that to so-and-so. They still got a problem. The devil will always try to make you feel guilty. But that's why you go to God in your prayer and says, God, the guilt and the shame that I feel because I've sinned, will you forgive me of that? But more over, will you also deliver me from that? I can feel right with you again, Lord. We got to do it. God is gracious. And if we will trust him, we will go before him. He is gracious enough to hear us. And respond to us. Somebody say thank you Jesus. Another gracious wonder. Was that Adam could hear God's voice. And respond. 
for his inner nature had been so polluted by sin that he didn't want to face God. Listen to me. When we mess up, we don't want to face God. But let me tell you something. I think about this story all the time in Genesis. And sometimes all of us, we're all here. We sin against God and we feel so terrible because we're Christians and we should know better. That's that's if you really trying to live for God, Brother Scarlett, when you mess up, you know, the first thing you're telling yourself, man, God, I just let you down. Man, God, I just messed up. God, I'm a Christian. How did I let that happen? And you start right. That's if you were sincerely living for God. I ain't talking about people that's just playing the game. But if you're sincerely living for God, when that happened, that's what you start saying. But you got to stop and say, but God, I am not running away from you because Adam, they, they started running away when they messed up. And you showed me in your word that we need to run towards you when we mess up, not run away from you. So church, hear me real good. We don't have a whole lot of time. Jesus is coming back. So when you mess up, don't take a whole long time by running away and hiding, by running away and waiting, by running away and in your mind, just going back and forth in your talk, in your thought, run towards the Lord, run to the church building and come in the house of God and it doesn't matter who here you get to these altars and you pray the prayers of faith you bow down before God and you cry out to him because when you get up you get up in God the Bible the songwriter said get back up again well when you get down on your knees and you cry out to God he will pick you back up again don't you stay away from him don't you stay away from him can't nobody out there help you for what you're dealing with. Run to Jesus because he's the one, the only one that can help you. It makes no sense to run away from him. Let me tell you something. A prideful person not going to heaven. It's one of the worst sins you can have operating your life. All sin is sin, but pride is incognito. So, so you have pride and you don't even realize a lot of time you have pride. And so a person with pride will not get to heaven. What are you saying, preacher? So what I'm saying is it's best that people talk about you that, yeah, he must have messed up or she must have messed up while she had the altar. You know what? Accept that right now. Accept that you might come down to the altar in church and somebody's going to be whispering. I wonder what they did now. Accept that. It's wrong that they're thinking like that, but don't even worry about it. Accept that now. Because if you don't accept that now, it means some pride is working in you. It means some pride is working. So when you hit these doors of the church of the living God, the building where we come to worship, when you hit those doors, you hit the altar and say, I can care less what they think about what I'm saying as I'm praying to God. I'm getting on my knees. I'm getting on my face. I'm going before the Lord because I'd rather them talk about me now and me be right with God than I walk around and act like I'm good and walk around and act like I'm safe and walk around and act like I'm good with God and I'm not. I'm not going there, baby. I'm not going to let pride ruin me. I'd rather you talk about me and I make it to heaven than you don't talk about me and I go to hell. If people ain't talking about you, you probably ain't going with God. They talked about Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? They talked about him. He never said a mumbling word. He never sinned. And they talked about him. So just be comfortable with people talking about you. Doesn't matter who they are. Be comfortable, talk, be comfortable with people talking about you because they talked about your Savior. You know what? 
Be concerned when nobody's talking about you. Be concerned when nobody's talking about you. If they're not talking about you, it means you're in agreement with the majority of the people. And the majority of the people aren't with God. So when they're not talking about you, you're in agreement with the majority. And the majority is not going in the way they need to go. So be okay with them talking about you. It means you're going in the right way. God is speaking to us. Uh-huh. God spoke to Adam when he messed up. When God speaks to us, it will be personal and it will be clear. There are people sometimes that's trying to speculate, trying to figure out, is this God? God speaks to you and it's going to be personal. You're going to know. You don't have to guess. When you start to have to try to guess, ain't God. Ain't God. Leave it alone. And even if it could be God, wait for God to come again. We've read in scripture most of the time when God speaks to us, if we don't respond the first time, he's coming again. And when we don't respond the second time, he's coming again. So he will keep coming until you respond. So you better err on the side of caution and don't do anything if you're not sure. And when you are sure, then you move forward and do what you just heard. God may be speaking to plenty of us, but because of our sin and shame, we're hiding from him and we're not listening to his voice. God is calling us to to, to a designating meeting place for communion and fellowship with him. Remember, I told you that in the garden, Adam was saying, I heard your voice in the garden. What Adam was really saying, I know you at the meeting place. This garden is big, but there's a specific spot that we meet at all the time to fellowship. And they weren't at the specific spot that they meet, that they meet all the time. So that's why he was acting and responding the way he was, because God was waiting for him at the place, the place in the garden that they had decided here is where we would meet all the time. It's very important. You have heard it said, build an altar someplace, whether it's in your house or in the church building or someplace you need to build an altar. What that means is that place is a regular place you go where you pray and talk to God, where you will hear the voice of God and you will speak to God. When you do that, then guess what? When you're not at that place, you will know I need to get back to that place. And so Adam And Eve and the Lord had their meeting place, even though that garden was big. They had their place where they met together and they had fellowship. That's why God was saying, where are you? Because God is saying, I'm at the spot. What about you? I'm at the spot. I don't see you. And then he tells God, I'm hiding. And if God wanted to talk to him really straight up, God was like, God would have said, I don't even know why you're hiding because I can see you. (laughs) If God wanted to just deal with him straight up, Adam, what do you mean by you're hiding? I can see you. The problem is you're not where we normally meet. But I can see where you are. And I can see that you're naked. Why are you naked, Adam? But again, God's motive wasn't to scare Adam away and keep him running. God's motive was not to make... Adam feel worse than he already felt. 
obviously he felt bad because he's hiding. He's not meeting God. So it's obvious he's feeling bad. So God was only trying to get him to come on his side. He was just trying to restore him. He was trying to rescue him. He was trying to get him back on the right track. And so when you're trying to help somebody, see what I'm saying? That we're not godly like we think we are. When you're trying to help somebody, it's never about what they have done. It's about what you can now do to help them. If you're really sincere about helping people, it doesn't matter what they have done. What matters is, come on over here, let me help you. Where are you? Let me come to you and help you. I don't care how you messed up. I don't care what you've done. I just want to help you. That's what God was saying. I know you messed up. It's clear you messed up. You're not at the spot that we normally have, you know, the meeting place. But I'm not worried about that, Adam. I'm not here to make you feel terrible. You already feel bad. I'm just here to get you back on track. That's what I'm trying to do, Adam. Yes. God is calling us to a designating meeting place for us to have communion with him, for us to have fellowship with him. And we need to make sure we get there. God will speak to us at times we need to hear his voice. The question is, are we listening? Are we walking with him that we will hear his voice when he speaks? Or are we hiding from him? Prayer determines what kind of relationship we have with the Lord Jesus. Prayer determines what kind of relationship we have with the Lord Jesus. If you pray a whole lot, you got a real good relationship with God. If you don't pray a whole lot, you don't have a real good relationship with God. If you don't pray at all, you have no relationship at all. If you and somebody talk a whole lot, you get to know a whole lot about them. They get to know a whole lot about you. That's when we pray all the time, we get to learn a whole lot about the Lord. We know how to approach things because we're always talking to him and he's talking to us. If we only pray once in the blue, then we don't have a relationship. We're just, I don't know, cordial, cordial, where he just, where we say hello and he says hello. And if we never pray, we're not speaking. So your prayer life determines what kind of relationship you have with the Lord. Uh-huh. Is there a time when God goes silent on us? Yes, there is. God will go silent on us. God will go silent on us when he sees we are not quite ready to hear from him. Sometimes you're telling God to speak to you and God is saying, I'm not going to speak to you because you're just talking. You're not ready to hear from me, so I'm not speaking to you. Because what I have to tell you, you might fall down. You might, you might get a heart attack if I tell you right now, so I'm not going to talk to you. And you steady praying, God, speak to me. You're not ready. God will go silent on us when he has already spoken to us about the situation we're praying about. There's some things it's clear in God's word and we know it and we're still praying about it. Don't pray about something that God already gave you the answer to in the word of God and you know it. So God won't speak to you in those situations. God will, not, well, God will go silent on you when he is testing you. 
If you go back and check the time period when he spoke to uh, Noah, you it will blow your mind. The gaps of time when he spoke to Noah and when he came back and spoke to Noah. He wasn't talking to Noah every day. We think when we read God talk to somebody, we think he's talking to him every day. No, God will go silent sometimes because he has spoken to you enough where you should know him and understand if he's quiet, there's nothing for him to tell you right now. So he will go quiet on you when he's testing you. He will go quiet on you when he knows you won't listen. He will go quiet on you when he wants to remind you that he is God Almighty. I love that one. Because sometimes we want to think that we can order God around. He needs to move now. And God says, oh, really? I guess you, God, and not me. So let me just stay quiet and see if anything moves. <laughs> God will speak to us when he needs to speak to us. We need to have an ear to hear. In other words, we need to be attentive and listening for his voice. I'm going to run through a couple, a few things here that I need you to know, and then I'm going to close up shop real quick. What are some of the ways God speaks to us today? What are some of the ways God speaks to us today? Number one, creation. Creation is a way how God speaks to us. Creation is a way God speaks to us. In Psalms 19, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where there Voice is not heard. Created things reflects the creator. Created things reflects the creator. As surely as a man fingerprint reveal his identity, so does nature reveal its maker. <laughs> Another way God will speak to us is by his word. We know that. The word of God is God breathed, it's God inspired, so God speaks to us through his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so we have that, and then we have where it says all scripture is given by inspiration and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, and so on and so on. Each word in the Bible is God breathed and God inspired. He can speak to us by judgment. What does that mean? In Romans 1 and 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from the heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God will speak to us through judgment. Four, God will speak to us through miracles. Mark 16, favorite portion of scriptures, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall drink. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jump down to verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So God confirms his word by the signs that he demonstrates. So guess what? When 
God wants to speak to us in some sometime, he will speak to us by the signs and wonders and the miracles. Another way God speaks to us is by impression. And that we can see that in Acts chapter 18 and 5, when 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 uh, Silas and, uh, and Timothy were come to Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified. When he said pressed in the spirit, it's not God is not speaking verbally, but he feels an impression pressed in the spirit. How else can God speak to us through circumstance? You remember the, 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 the eunuch that um, was trying to read the book of Isaiah and God allowed Philip to pull up next to him. And guess what? Philip was able to pull, pull up next to him and begin to explain unto him the word of God more perfectly. And so God will use the situation to speak. And so through his miracle that he was working, he used Philip to, to instruct the eunuch as to how to get to be saved. God will use particular circumstances to speak to us. Finally, God will speak to us with an audible voice. We know that. The Apostle Paul heard the audible voice of God on the road to Damascus. The Bible says in that text in Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 7, um, I think it's um, in 4, it says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That was audible. And when you jump down a little further, it says, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. <laughs> God will speak to us. He invites us to call on him and he promises to answer us. That's Jeremiah 33 and 3. He engaged in dialogue with us. He speaks with us. He walks and he talks with us. God extends to you and me the high honor of being with him, walking with him, and conversing with him day by day. Jesus affirmed his sheep, hear his voice. When we ask the Lord to speak to us, our motives, our motive need to be right. Look at John chapter 10, verse 24. It was the feast of dedication and the professional religious class who spent their lives around the temple pressed Jesus. They specifically asked him, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. There are people that's trying to be God over God and they don't realize it. They're trying to order God around how he needs to operate. <laughs> some people are trying to get Jesus to talk to them for them to figure out some formula or some system to satisfy their internal self-gratification. We want God to speak to us sometimes for our own self-gratification and not to hear from God so we can go and do what God wants us to do. Sad, sad, sad. However, God invites us into relationship with him. He seeks companionship with us. The Lord Jesus promises to guide us. The Lord Jesus promises to reveal his path to us. The Lord Jesus promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. He promises to mold us. He promised us eternal life. In John 10 and 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The Lord Jesus desires us to be with him. He desires for fellowship with us and has been and it has been evident since man walked in the garden. He wants people of their own volition to seek after him to be with him. God desires fellowship with us. The question is, do we want fellowship with him? 
The disciples walked with him, heard his voice for three and a half years, and still there was a whole lot they did not know about him. But the more we fellowship with him and listen to his voice, the more we will know and understand him and the more we will know how to please him. A lot of people aren't living for God the way they need to because they don't know how to because they don't pray and talk to God and walk with him and listen to his voice and they don't know how to serve him. They don't know how to please him. They're just going flying by the seat of their pants trying to figure around. Well, God loves me. Well, God is gracious. Well, God is merciful. And we throw out all the cliches because we have not gone to him ourselves. We have not prayed and seek this face. We don't walk with him enough. So now we just fly by the seat of our pants and look for an easy way to say, oh, I know I'm right with God. God wants us to dig deeper. He wants us to get wiser. He wants us to understand more. And so in order for us to want that, we have to first want it. And when you want it, you will go after it. All right. I close here. Mark 3 and 14. Listen to this. This is beautiful. Mark 3 and 14 says, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Watch this. Jesus called his disciples first to fellowship and that they may hear and know his voice. The other thing that he did was he sent them forth to go and echo his voice. He asked us to be a walking voice as he is a walking voice. So people, if you want to know what your God is up to, your God loves you. Your God wants to have fellowship with you. Your God wants you to know him. He wants you to be familiar with his voice, to walk with him, to know him, to have a right relationship with him. Because guess what? His ultimate goal is that you will labor together with him. His ultimate goal is that when you come to know him, you come to know what he expects. When you come to know him, you know how to please him. And so now when you come to know him now you can go and help him with what he is doing in the earth and when you go out there to do what he wants you to do you will be so familiar with his voice you will know him so well because you had fellowship with him so often when before you went anywhere and so now you're out there going and serving and doing what God wants you to do that you know you're supposed to do and you will hear his voice you will understand his will and you will stay in tune and in touch with him because you know his voice. He is calling us to come in relationship so we can know him. Then he will send us that we can go and labor with him. He is the first voice we heard. And now that we've heard his voice, he says, now will you go and be my voice? You come and hear my voice, but will you now go and be my voice? Woohoo! Oh, hallelujah. Will we go now and be the voice of God? Because when we hear it, we know how to say it. Stand with me. The Lord wants your voice to bring glory unto him. 
May we speak the mighty words and the mighty works of God. May we shout of his goodness from the mountaintop. May we open our mouth and pray the prayer of repentance when we fall down. May we call the unseen into the realm of the reality. You have a voice and you have a choice. These two qualities were put into you when God created you. You can choose to give him praise. You can choose to seek him. You You can choose to declare his will. You can choose to pray or choose to intercede or choose to overcome. You have a voice. Therefore, choose what you will do with that voice. Choose what you will do with the voice God has given you. He called you with his voice. He allowed you to hear his voice. He brought you into fellowship with him. And he says, come on and walk with me. Come on and talk with me. But also when I send you, know that you must go and speak what I've already spoken to you. Oh, God, help us in here tonight. Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, help us. And we will understand your will. And God. Go forth and do what you want us to do. Help us to become familiar with your voice and be obedient to the voice of God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, that voice that came calling us, calling us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Church. When Adam and Eve sinned, God went seeking them. I always say this, and I say it because I understand the ways of God, and I'm still searching to see if I'm proven wrong at any time. God never asks us or commands us to do anything he hasn't already done. You hear me say it all the time. Here's another scripture. He told us, to seek him, but he first seeked us. He, he told us to seek ye first. Seek the Lord while he can be found. Then he says, seek ye first the kingdom. He told us to seek, and some of us get haughty because we're not spiritual and because we're prideful. Why he wants us to seek him? You know why? Because he first seeked you when you were lost and in darkness, when you were consumed by your sin, when you had no hope. He seeked you. He came after you. That's why he's saying now seek him because he wants you to stay on track when he finds you and he brings you into the light. He wants you to stay on track. And in order to stay on track, you got to keep on as he leaves you. You got to keep following him and keep seeking after him. Don't get offended when God says seek me because he seeked you first. You could not be saved if God didn't seek you out. You could not have a chance to be delivered if God didn't come seeking you out. You wouldn't have a chance for any chance of eternal life if God didn't come after you. So don't act like God is being, you know, egotistical when he says, seek me. It's not being egotistical. He seeked you out and he didn't need you. He didn't need me. He didn't need you. But he came seeking for us. So the least we can do now is seek him back. And he's telling us to seek him because it's what's going to keep us right. Father, we love you.
Let your word, Lord God, grab a hold of us tonight, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, as we begin to pray and we, we fast and call on your name, Lord God, there will be a spiritual realm that we will enter in where we've never been before. Oh, God, you've called us, oh, God, out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord, you're working in us and you want to work in us. Now, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord God, that the words that's been spoken into our hearing, oh, God, it will take up, oh, God, residence. It will just begin to resonate and grow and begin to elevate us and begin to move us into a new dimension in you, Lord God. I don't want to just be a hearer, Lord God. I want to be a hearer and a doer of your word. I want to come to know you, Lord God. And I want to walk with you, Lord Jesus. I want to do your will, Lord God. And Lord, if I happen to fall down, if I happen to sin, Lord God, I promise I will get up and I will come running after you. I will come confessing my sins. I will come, Lord God, asking for your mercy and your grace, oh God. I want to serve you. We want to serve you. We know, Lord God, we have sinned and come short. We know, Almighty God, that we can do better than how we're doing. But God, we have spoken your word tonight and we hear, Lord God. Now we step forward, oh God, to say, Jesus, let change take place within my spirit. Let change take place within my heart. And God, I can be what you want me to be. I can move in the dimension you want me to move in. Oh God, you're calling us, Lord God, to do what you want us to do. To make an impact. Oh God, all around our communities and neighborhoods. Lord, I pray that somebody will take this this word serious tonight uh, and somebody will hold fast uh, to the word of God uh, including myself uh, Lord don't let this word escape us uh, but God help us to hold on uh, to the word uh, and go forth uh, in the word uh, and do uh, what the word says to do uh, for God we want to please you uh, we want to please you uh, we want to do your will almighty God uh, in the name of Jesus uh, Lord help us to pray uh, teach us to pray uh, Show us how to pray. Move upon us to pray. Oh, God, allow us to become familiar with your voice that we will know it. And when you speak to us, we will know it for sure. And, oh, God, we will do what you say do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, have your way as we give you praise and honor. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. Lord, you're good and you're worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to hear the Word of God, for allowing us to be together tonight. Oh, God, oh, Father, for all of us that have heard your Word, we are so grateful. We're so thankful, Almighty God, for there is none like you. There is none like you, Jesus, as we go from this place tonight, Lord God. Oh, God, let what we have heard here tonight and let the presence of God that we feel in this place tonight transfer with us. Lord God. Let your presence Lord God overwhelm us even when we leave this place tonight as we give you praise as we give you honor. There is none like you Jesus. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus. Somebody give him praise and thank him tonight. Come on, thank the Lord tonight. The Lord is good. 
His mercy everlasting, His truth endures to all generations. There is none like Jesus. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Oh, He is the great I am. And who is like the Lord? There is none like Him. There is none like Him. And we bless His name. Hallelujah. Come on, give Him praise. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Church, God loves us. God loves us. Let's love Him back. Let's love Him back. Give Him offering to the building fund tonight. And don't forget, Saturday morning at 8 a.m., we're here for our prayer breakfast. Come and be with us this Saturday morning at 8 a.m. We're going to do some praying. We're going to do some teaching after the prayer. And then I'll see you Sunday, well, Saturday evening at 6.30. And then Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for both of our morning services. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank you, Lord. Fire on my altar, never burn out. Make me a house of prayer.